welcome to the Rehydrate Podcast. This is a podcast about the three-body problem and the rest of the Remembrance of Earth's Past series. The unique proposition of this show is that we have four hosts, and each of the hosts has a different level of experience with the series. For example, I'm Jim, and I've only read the first book, but I have not read the rest of the series. Hi, I'm Dan. I've read the entire series multiple times. Hi, I'm Tim. I'm new to the series. I've only read up to the chapters that we are covering today. This is Amin, and I too have only read up to the chapters we are covering today. Let's introduce this next segment, which we're calling Following Up, the Rehydrate Follow-Up. The first order of business is we have a website. It's at rehydrate.space. Space is in like space and time, outer space. And you could go there to you know listen to the actual show on the site, but you could also uh, check out show notes and read about the background of the host, uh, read the reading list, whatever you want. It's like zombo.com. You do really anything you want there. And Dan could tell us more about the reading list that's there. Yeah, so on the website, we have a reading list. So I went through the entire series and kind of broke up the, the books by kind of more logical chapters. That way we're kind of reading chunks of the story at a time. And if you want to read along with us, you can know what to read ahead, you know, for the next show. Obviously we'll mention it, but you can kind of see how the the breakdown happens over the entire series. Uh, and so additional follow-up we had from last time, but there's like there's a discussion from Jim that we wanted to talk about. He had asked the question if Chinese people have the expression of have you crossed a bear when one of the characters, Yejitai, uh, had, had been pulled into the, the theater to you know, be put on trial you know, so, of sorts for his uh, supposed crimes against the Communist Party during the Cultural Revolution. Anyway, he had mentioned that you know it's a heavy cross to bear, and Jim had thought, does that really even register within like Chinese? Like, is that a translation difference? So I checked with a Chinese-speaking person, and that is a phrase that came from that Chinese people do use. It's not a very you know, Christian country. It's you know very secular, yeah, um, country. They do use that phrase. I don't know. She didn't know where it came from or why they use it, but it is something that they they use. And so even the literal Chinese translation, you know, it says crossed a bear so oh answered <laughs> the other piece of follow-up that we want to talk about from last time is i had said that uh, lucy chin um, had said that the uyghurs and other muslim minorities are criminals and jim had questioned if that he actually said that so apparently he did not say that but he did call them terrorists so uh it's mm. you know i don't know that that's better <laughs> so specifically he the the quote said would you rather that they be hacking away at bodies and train stations and schools and terrorist attacks. If anything, the government is helping the economy and trying to lift them out of poverty. So not great. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> hacking but, away at bodies, wow. Just you know, to clarify you know, what he actually said versus what we talked about. For this episode, we're going to go into the summary of chapters three and four from The Three-Body Problem. Um, so we start out uh, with a uh, Yewenjie uh, waking up to find that she's being, she's being transported on a helicopter. Uh, she meets uh, someone named uh, Yang Weining, uh, a former graduate student of Ye's father, uh, with whom they would disagree about theoretical versus applied physics, and which makes a bigger impact in the field. They arrive at Red Coast Base, the base that's on Radar Peak, 
that we had heard about last time. There, yes, gave her the choice to remain there and work on that for life uh, on a project they refer to as a large-scale weapons research project. Or she could take the helicopter back and face a six to 10 year sentence for her supposed crimes. She quickly agrees to enter the base and witnesses the test of the base, one that seemingly generates a transmission of large amounts of electrical energy that lights up the sky. 40 years later, we're introduced to Wang Miao, who is met at his house by the police and members of the army asking if he has spoken with members of a group called the Frontiers of Science. Wang Miao is told that a general has requested that he attend a meeting later that day, and Wang Miao agrees to eventually go. At the meeting in Beijing, Wang Miao, uh, along with Shi Qiang, sorry, uh, nicknamed uh, Da Shi, meets with an international group of scientists, military, and police. We find out that Wang Miao is working on a nanomaterial technology that can be made into a string as thin as one hundredth of a hair and cut a speeding car in half as if it were to pass through it. Wang finds out the reason that he's been asked to meet with, with them is that several high-profile members of the frontiers of science, including one he's familiar with, Yang Dong, from his time at the Liangxiang Particle Accelerator, had recently committed suicide. The frontiers of science is a well-known group of academics that asked the question, what is the limit of science? Yang Dong had said in her suicide note that all evidence points to a single conclusion. Physics has never existed and will never exist. After some goading from Daoshir, Wang agrees to join the Frontiers of Science to find out the potential cause of the suicides. Wang leaves the meeting with General Chang and gives him an ominous warning. Life as we, he knows it will be changed, and he should prepare for the worst. I kind of like the setup here. You know, it's doing a lot of kind of mysterious what what the hell is going on. A good sci-fi setup here. I was, you know, a little jarred by the kind of 40-year jump here because I was kind of hoping at the moment, and I'm, you know, I'm expecting the part of the premise of this book is maybe to go back and uncover what has been going on in these in this 40 years or what this research facility was doing. But in the short term, I was kind of hoping to spend a bit more time with Ye. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Or Yi, Yi Wenji. Yeah, Wenji. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like Y-E-H, yeah. sort of? Yes. Yeah. You can yeah. imagine it. Yep. I don't know if this is like an ensemble cast or if it's going to like jump back and forth between time periods, but I kind of liked the setup here. Mysterious facility doing mysterious science-y things. Birds falling out of the sky, obviously showing that there's massive amounts of radiation being emitted from this thing. She didn't hesitate to take on the job of being sequestered in this facility, so. Yeah, I, I read that as she wasn't necessarily interested in the project, at least at least in these chapters. It was just, I, I imagine she just didn't want to go to prison sure, <laughs> and sure, experience sure. The, the rest of the outside world and all that insanity and just was happy to just live inside this facility forever because everything's not, so crazy and chaotic I, out I, there. I mean, she, you know, yeah. I mean, they get their lawyer or whatever you know was explaining that it's you know she's probably not she'd probably get off with her fairly light sentence so i don't know it seems like she was like pretty kind of like drawn to whatever was going on in here I, yeah i, I would i would I, say like i i think I, yeah. I i disagree with jim that you know that she wasn't as interested in like the actual stuff that's happening i think she was interested you know in her background in physics and all the stuff that seems to be associated with it really was what drew her to like making that decision but they also gave her a chance to think more about it and all this stuff. And I, yeah, I, I don't think you would, you jump at that. Like and about the thing about getting off with a late sentence, that was the sweet offer, right? 
So I think another I think thing is like she she had known the the person who was escorting her as well and knew that yeah. you know, his background. So th- that's that's kind of what I'm thinking. Like based off of his questions, her knowing that he was like a person who would argue the more theoretical versus applied nature of physics. I think that's why she kind of jumped at the chance of working on this mysterious project. No, I think that's the other way around. He he was for he was he was for savvy, right? And he are, he's for applied science. Not he was for applied science. Stuff. But like, we don't yeah. know that like she is not also for applied science versus theoretical science, right? I think this discussion to me is a sign of what I was most frustrated with, which was the writing in general. And maybe it's the translation of these books. So around sure. this time, they do a terrible job of exposition through the whole thing where people are just talking. So we, the readers, know a lot of stuff. One of the soldiers who is escorting her in the helicopter says, I did find two Mm. possible candidates, but both would rather stay at the May 7th cadre schools and come here. Of course, we could forcefully move them, but given the nature of this work, we can't have someone who doesn't want to be here. But they're kind of forcing her to be here. So I I found all of these (laughs) motivations and everything else to be. And basically, I just took it as the author needs to move everything forward. So she's just going to pretend like this is what's happening regardless of why. On one hand, I, I don't think that it's necessarily bad writing to make it hard to tell what somebody's motivations are. Like sometimes that ambiguity is interesting, but you are right about the exposition, which I actually didn't notice the first time I read through this. Like there's there's a, there's a part I, I marked in chapter four, actually, when when they're, they're talking about Dasher, you know, he's the, you know, McGarnagal character. And then like, you know, after, after he busts in, like the, the, like somebody else is talking about him, about how, how rude he is. And he says something like, he's got quite a record during a hostage crisis, crisis a few years ago, he acted recklessly. And that's like, that's like one quote, like, it's like, well, this is supposed to be one person just like talking in a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a prosecuting lawyer, like opening. Yeah. <laughs> and to me, to me, that sounded like something you would see like in a in a bad '90s action movie, just to get the plot started. That this one person, yeah, skill. Yeah, it's also like the kind of thing you see in role playing games when you're pressing A to get through the the stuff. I think the reason I didn't think too critically about that is uh, sort of used to things like that. Like if you read like H.P. Lovecraft, you know, he's he's just bad. <laughs> he's just not a good writer, but. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, they're interesting ideas and you want to see what happens. But that I also think of that of the entire series, really, I think Gia Wenche is actually like the most fleshed out character and does have the most known motivations, where Wang Miao is more just like deer in the headlights, foil for like the character doesn't know anybody, you know, know anything. He's like, he's the, the proxy he's, for the reader, right? Yeah, he's the audience insert. Yeah. See that. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, like, you know, these four chapters in, I'm like, you know, setting myself up to. You know, see that this, you know, so far he seems to be like, you know, the, this seems to be like, well, I'm thinking more like Michael Crichton of China rather than like, you know, I mean, I think there's like, there's been a lot of glowing praise of the, you know, like, you know, this book that like, you know, we get more than like a, a, a contemporary Crichton novel would, um, you know, and I think that's partially just due to the, you know, the kind of cultural crossover. Um, people are kind of, you know, discovering this for the you know for the first time but uh yeah i mean kind of like well, i don't know, I, I don't know. yeah he's just also a little more philosophical than than michael Crichton, right yeah. 
like he there's a lot about the nature of like reality and, and stuff like that in these right, books yeah, whereas, or this book but Crichton yeah. was more like yeah here's like cool you know science thing or you know it's very yeah yeah and then when he did get philosophical it was like it was you know what men could get sexually harassed too <laughs> <laughs> yeah. actually this this reminds me of there's this part where i notice where after Ye decides she's gonna go for it says other than the undiscovered country beyond death from which no one has returned the place she wanted to be most was this peak separated from the rest of the world I, but I, I was just wondering, like, what is the undiscovered country? Like, is that a phrase for the afterlife? The undiscovered country? Are you suggesting, like, that is that like a is that like a Chinese? Like, yeah, is, is that like a, a translation thing? thing? Is that it's like a heaven kind of place, or is it like um, Canada? Yeah. I, don't know. <laughs> I don't know it's just such okay. a it was just such a purple prose way of describing the afterlife to me yeah, that does seem like it okay might be just stemming from some just, sort of you know i don't know translation thing be like have you ever been to the undiscovered country beyond death <laughs> so so generally like and these things and i will probably, we'll probably find this like throughout the series that you know we're gonna see like kind of weird phrasing like the like this one or the bearing the cross and so what i do is i just kind of go back to the original trans uh, chinese version of it and then i have a, a source who speaks chinese <laughs> who, who's able to who's able to kind of look at it and kind of give me more context uh around like what it actually means and so like that'll probably be a common thing that we do throughout the series i bet the book translations are actually done by like two different authors so uh ken leo does like the first one and the third one but then the second one is done by someone else i, I forgot the name of but yeah you might even see like even like different kind of translation weirdness based off of in the second book than than the first one so uh i don't know how did you all i mean f upon first reading it uh reading it um feel about the frontiers of science here because this to me seems like a, you know like a, a total like literary type construct like this group of clandestine group of free-thinking scientists now i mean in the you know obviously the context is different in china but if somebody tried to describe something like this in contemporary Western culture, I would just assume that the frontiers of science is really, are, you know, really just a bunch of pseudoscience weirdos or mixed with like Ayn Randian type, I don't know, we're, like we're, we're yeah. the trends of, you know, like they'd all like write for like Quillette or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I think he says though, that they're, they're all accredited established scientists and that right. that's why they're able to get people in there. But I yeah, I, like, I don't think I don't think it's clandestine at all, right? I think it's like Wang Miao knew about it, and like it, it seems like a like maybe not like they don't have a website. Yeah, or it's whatever, legit. But yeah, it's but like it's right. like a loosely affiliated group of high-minded scientists who like get together and like talk about sciencey things. Who are real science, yeah. yeah. It, it does yeah. remind me of just like another trope of the you know the secret that kills you, the ring, where they had like you know you watch this video and you die, that kind of thing, or. Didn't, didn't Snow Crash have something like that in it? It's like, you know, you learn this phrase and then oh. like, something will happen to you. Yeah, that was all about, yeah, weird phonetics or like repeated phrases or something like that. Yeah, yeah I, like I, triggering I mean, did, some pathways I mean, in your brain. I mean, what did you think since you're the other non-reader here? <laughs> I, I agree. It's, if it was a real thing, it would seem like some weird flat earth or climate denial or something like that kind of thing. But otherwise... Uh, I thought it was a good construct to bring all these yeah. people together. Yeah, to me, it's a very like literary type group only like occurs in sci-fi stories or oh. in fiction. 
It's also weird that they all kind of like know each other. I don't know how big the you know scientific community is in China, but China's a big country, a lot of people. Like it seems like oh, like Wang Miao knows this person and this other person, and yeah, but you know, like well, it knew I, the I, this other guy. Well, it is a thing among mathematicians, right? They have the Erdos number, which uh, like they they each keep track of how many degrees of separation there is between them and Erdos. I forgot his first name, but he is like a famous mathematician, a Paul Erdos. He used to he used to travel and work with mathematicians throughout the world, and therefore, um, you know, people were able to say, "Oh, I I know him," or "I knew a guy who knew him," um, and they. Yeah, they seem they seem pretty aware of each other. I think he knew. You know, Yang Dong. What's his name? Yeah, Yang Dong. I, I think he knew of her because she's famous, right? We worked at the same so, place. He worked at the particle accelerator. Oh, right. And she, and yeah. she was like the, the she was the leader, and everyone this, was like, she was like, whoa, it's a female winning this because like she used to assume. Oh yeah, uh, there's all yeah. that creepy stuff about how he's like taking a picture of her and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, oh, I, my photographs all my life have been lacking because she was not in them. I, I think literally he said that, right? Almost. Yeah, he did. Something. Yeah. Uh. yeah, he said, Wang had always thought that his photographs lacked some kind of soul. Now he understood that they were missing her and her is in italics. <laughs> well, you know what? I think this is not, not an uncommon scientist type. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a complete but, tangent, yeah. but have you ever heard of the Erdos-Bacon number? Uh, Kevin Bacon plus whoa no, yeah so it's your combo. Erdos number plus your Kevin Bacon number and so the lowest you can get is is a two two oh so is there somebody who are there like the people who have two are like basically mathematicians who know Kevin Bacon apparently there's yeah. some mathematician who was in Goodwill Hunting who also has an Erdos number of one so I think I think his total oh. number is three and I think he's one of the lowest in the world with an Erdos Bacon number anyway. Oh, three, three. Okay, so he yeah. knows he was on somebody on obviously Good Will Hunting was in something with Kevin Bacon. So, right. and that's how. Okay. Yeah, TLDR. I think it's sort of feasible that you you know about other famous physicists stuff like that. But I, I thought it was interesting that the PLA officer showed up with McGarnacle and. Um, <laughs> the other guy and and he he, he was able he's was, he was able to just say no it's just like shut up and get out of here this is not your business yeah that's kind of interesting i always thought like that's it's a lot of trouble if the pla shows up at your door yeah obviously things have changed since like the cultural revolution and all that yeah maybe maybe, I'll, maybe every episode i'll comment on something that's surprising about the liberalism of china <laughs> It might be intentional, right? Like to show like how much has changed in 40 years, right? Like China has become not way more liberal, way more. I mean, it's still like compared to here. All right. Well, I don't know if that's true, but <laughs> compared well, to here, it's I like mean, it's a more it's a more way more open. You know, it's a more closed society and like more authoritarian society um, yeah. than, than here. But like it's still changed a lot in 40 years, right? Where you yeah. know, sci scientists would be murdered you know, on put on trial for for their beliefs. But now it's like. Yeah, yeah, some nerdy scientist guy saying, get the hell out of here. <laughs> like, arm yeah, I, I guess you could do that. But like, yeah, I always think about like that, that one guy who um, that doctor who just said in a private quote, private or whatever, WeChat, hey, guys, there's this new thing called the coronavirus uh, <laughs> in <laughs> Wuhan. Everybody be careful about that. And the government was looking through those logs and it's like, 
oh, hey, we need you to publicly state that you're lying <laughs> about about the existence of uh, COVID-19. I think um, like even even in like America, like, like if you had a story where the army showed up and, and asked you to go somewhere and someone refused, that'd also be surprising, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Usually, like, the army shows up, and like, oh, that's serious business. I gotta go. Like, I don't really have a choice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I think the rest of the chapter, they they had the big council getting together about this, and yeah, it's sort of sort of interesting that they had such such an urgent issue, but I guess this is. Well, who knows? I, I was thinking Wang Miao was the only lead they had, right, into the frontiers of science, but they could have invited a dozen other scientists that have gotten invitations to the frontiers of science. Well, they had the other uh, uh, scientist, uh, Ding Yi, I think. The, oh, yeah, that y guy. Y Yang, Yang Dong's uh, boyfriend. Yeah. Wasn't he in other books of, uh, of Liu Shishin? Like, isn't he a recurring character or something? I'm not sure. Maybe yeah, not. Yeah, there, okay. there, there was a footnote about that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Also, towards the end of that chapter, I laughed at the way the cop tricked <laughs> tricked the scientist oh, yeah. into joining. I put my... The reverse psychology I'm going to show trick. you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I put that in my notes, too, is that he, he Marty McFly'd him, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Because I, I was thinking, I was thinking of Bugs Bunny, like the Bugs Bunny Daff, Daffy Duck thing. But no, I, ha yeah. I have it here. It's better this way. I disagree with the plan anyway. So many bookworms have already killed themselves. If we send him, he'd be a meat dumpling thrown to the dogs. So <laughs> well, I, mean, I was like, "What did you call me? Did you call me chicken?" <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I think I think he explicitly states that Dashi is there because he's such a a master of human psychology and uh, perception and stuff like that. Well, I think uh, these are established like, also, that Wang Miao hates him, right? Or he doesn't like him, right? He's yeah. like, ah, I have to sit next yeah. to this guy. And so then, well, well know, he knows what buttons to push and he's able to like figure out, oh, based on the way your eyebrow is. It, it's a little bit, yeah, of like the Sherlock Holmes thing. I could uh, figure out all this stuff about you from your reaction while reading this piece of paper. <laughs> Do you think this is a common literary archetype in China? Didn't they, like, The Departed have something like this? That's where the, they had those common things and um, yeah yeah well that's the, the, the kind of cop though. stereotypes right yeah but like they, they they consumed hong kong media as well you know? oh yeah 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 like, so so maybe the, the part common... is super super famous and like the the chinese version like that's yeah. like, a really yeah. famous movie in china and like all the yeah. jackie chan movies probably have like you know hardball cops or whatever yeah i mean they also yeah. consume a lot of america media too where it's like prevalent here you know? yeah there's a lot of uh john Mu and chow yun fat movies that are all pure like cop stereotypes and yeah, like Chai and Fat flicking his uh, toothpick at the angry police chief. <laughs> saying, I'm going to do it my way and slide down this banister and just blow everybody away. <laughs> I remember I had a positive impression in my mind of, a, of Dasher. And I remember you talking about that last time too, Jim. Like, is that because of the stereotype? And that we think it's funny that, that, that there's a Chinese version of this, uh, the Harbell cop, you know, stereotype? Yeah, I mean, I I mostly think you know he's he's obviously a very functional character, and you you need somebody like this to move certain parts of the story along. But uh, no, I, I yeah, I thought it was funny that he's just like basically a, a really, really on the ball, on the nose sort of uh, <laughs> uh, version of this character living here in the science fiction story. There was a passing footnote where they referred to an author named Xian Zhongshu, and. In the footnote, they described him as a Chinese Thomas Pinchon. So I was intrigued enough where I bought 
his what Wikipedia says his most famous book called Fortress Besieged. Mm. I am going to spend my time reading that this next week because it sounds interesting. So that's that's a cool book title. Yeah, I, I might have something to share next week about Fortress Besieged. Dan, any other thoughts? Yeah, I'm. I'm it's interesting. I I I think like you, I'd never thought about the kind of exposition dump kind of writing and kind of like the that that kind of stuff. And I, you know, I didn't think about it when I read through it. Hope it doesn't color my opinion of the book. I don't think it will because I think the bigger concepts of the book are the things that are important. Um, so I'm excited for for you guys to kind of get that revealed. And I'll I'll just say like you know the, I think the story is wrapped up extremely well. And like there's not going to be like unsatisfying mysteries. So I'm excited for to, to kind of talk about that as the the revealed. The story is self-contained in this book or in the trilogy itself? It's self-contained in this book. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I did think about whether or not this format is unfair to books. It's a format where it's easier to talk about small things that jumped out at you that were not good, <laughs> like like all the hard-boiled detective stuff. But, you know, I, I guess that can't really be helped. I mean, we could try to be, like, really mature about this or something, but I don't I mean, know. It's, it's moving pretty f- I mean, it, it kind of yeah. works okay for this format and that, you know, we're just doing a couple chapters at a time and all, but uh, it is, things are moving quickly. Like, you can tell that this is probably be pretty well adaptable to a, you know, TV series or something like that. I've read plenty of fantasy novels or other types of novels where it's like, if we just broke it down into a couple chapters, we'd have nothing to talk about because it was like all exposition and slice of life stuff, but not, you know, no real plot points being moved, you know, moving forward. One interesting thing might might be another perspective for you guys, like if you have time or for the listeners, if you want to. Um, there's a movie that was that's called The Wandering Earth that was also written by Louis Hushin. Um And when I watched it, it was very much reminded me of his writing style. So that kind of gives you an idea of like how his writing could be could be filmed. So it might be interesting to for for you guys to to watch. I think it's on Netflix um, to to watch it and kind of see how his stuff actually translates to the big screen. All right. Yeah. So, so next time we're going to talk about the next couple chapters, I believe. Is it is it the next two chapters, Dan? Five and yeah, six. Yeah. Chapters five and six. Uh, I know it's kind of a slow pace, but story wise, it made sense to stick to the next two chapters. Throughout this book, we have between two to four chapters, depending on how the story kind of ends at particular points. And I tried to think about it like as if the TV show you know, had, had episodes and it's all on the reading list. I think this season we'll have 13 episodes. Yeah. So yeah, I appreciate going through and structuring all this for us. And yeah, these next couple chapters are pretty interesting there. I think they, I recall they get more into the nature of reality and questioning various axioms that we count on to make the, the world work and cool stuff like that. All right. We'll see you next time.